This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Your source for all things Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks. With your hosts... Jordan Linscott, David Barnhouse, Nick LePage, and Kevin Musto. You're listening to the Stickblade Podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to another edition of the Stick Blade Podcast. This is the Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks Red Rivals Podcast. We cover all things Detroit Red Wings, all things Chicago Blackhawks, and then just general news around the NHL. On tonight's schedule, we're a bit light on the content because we just had the All-Star Week, so nothing really going on with either club at this moment in terms of games standing stuff like that um so it's going to be a little bit of a lighter show but we still do have a couple of things to talk about uh hawks and wings trade rumors the trade deadline is getting closer seems going to have to really start deciding what are they buying what are they selling and what are the price tags on everything that is going to be on the market also we're going to be talking about essentially how the Blackhawks and the Red Wings seasons have panned out so far. Um, it's kind of weird because I don't think expectations and reality have matched for either team necessarily. And then we're also going to be talking about, you know, what do we want for each team moving forward through the season? Because, I mean, we're on the home stretch of the season now. Season's almost over. We're soon approaching the end of the regular season. And just sort of talking about, you know, what do we look towards for these last stretch of games that's going to take us into the start of the playoffs? And then to close it all out, we're going to basically talking about, you know, we're looking at these teams moving forward. What do we expect from them moving forward? So with that being said, I'm your host for tonight, Jordan Linscott, and I'm joined by my co-host, Nick LePage. Uh, Kevin and David are both out for the episode, so it's just going to be a two-man crew tonight, but it's all right. We'll make it work. We'll make it happen. So Nick, let's go ahead and just jump into this thing really quick. Um, You brought it up earlier, but Let's go ahead and just start with the Hawks front this week. Talk to me about Hawks trade rumors, who is in rumors for a deal to another team, what you guys are looking for, just stuff like that. Just, I guess, sort of brief us through what's going on in Hawks lane for trades. Yeah, so just, you know, nothing, it's all speculation right now, but there was a rumor that came out Friday last week after we recorded that Carolina's checking in on the Blackhawks goalie, goalie situation because... I, we said it all season, basically, Carolina 
the biggest issue with Carolina is they're good, but they don't have goalies. So uh, they're checking in on the Crawford Leonard situation because there is, the, I mean, obviously the, they're both started, they're both starting caliber. So they need to figure that out. So the Carolina Hurricanes are monitoring that situation very closely. Then there's also one rumor, Elliot Freeman reported in his 31 Thoughts blo- uh, post that if the Blackhawks continue to slide, we could potentially see a Joel Quinville and Duncan Keith reunion down in Florida. And that, I mean, it, as of right now, the way the Blackhawks are playing, they're not selling anything like that. But there's, Elliot Freeman would said, like, if they fall out of the playoffs, we could see a big move with Duncan Keith going to Florida. And then also a source inside the Blackhawks organization that I've seen tweeted out said uh, there's a potential chance that Gustafson and Crawford could be heading to Vegas. So there's a, a lot of speculation. Like none of it's true rumors. It's just speculation at this time. But I feel like it's definitely something worth monitoring. Okay. So I mean, let's let's talk through each, I guess, rumor one by one and just sort of walk through. So I think the biggest one probably is the Duncan Keith to Florida rumor. Um, how much weight do you think there is to that one? You know, if it was just like a tweeted out thing, it wasn't really. I wouldn't really put too that much into it, but with Elliot Friedman going to the point of putting it in his 31 thoughts post and he, he knows all, I mean, him and Bob McKenzie are top notch in the sports reporting, NHL reporting profession. So Keith, the Keith to Florida one is kind of what worries me because Quinville loves Keith. We all know that Keith wants to win. He is uh, just a winner on the ice, off the ice. His life is just, he's dedicated to winning. He hates losing more than anyone else. So with Elliot Freeman putting that in the 31 thoughts, it scares me. Like if the Blackhawks start to fumble and slide, then that it seems like a very real situation. I would understand, you know, Florida wants to bolster their blue line. And if Chicago really is deciding, you know, they're not going to try and go for another cup run with the score that they have, that yes, you could move Keith for assets. I get that. My only problem with this would be that Duncan Keith was around Chicago when they were still just in the dumps. He was around that team really before the rebuild even began. I mean, I think it, I can't remember who he was talking to, but I remember I was listening to an interview where, you know, he was talking about, he was at games where there were maybe 5,000 people in the United Center. Like he's been with that organization for so long. He's been such a cornerstone for that team. I mean, you almost owe it to a guy like him, a guy who has earned <clears throat> two Norris trophies, a guy who's won a con Smythe, who's been a top pairing defenseman for you for that long. You almost sort of owe it to him, I think, in my opinion, to let him decide, is he sticking around or is he going? Like, do you? Know, I can't remember off the top of my head, but does he have a no trade clause in his contract? Do you know? Yes, Keith has a full new no move clause, so it is technically up to him. But yeah, so you're right. Just it's just one of those things. It's frustrating that he is just being like the thing. The fact that he's being talked about in this kind of trade situation, and even with the no move clause, like there's nothing away. But if if there if we see a rumor where Keith might waive that, then that's where things can get a little tricky. I mean, like obviously Duncan Keith is not the defenseman that he once was, but he's still a perfectly serviceable like top four guy. I mean. If you're in Chicago's position, I mean, what even do you ask for a guy like that? Because, I mean, he's not, you know, the Duncan Keith of four years ago, but he's still, like I said, perfectly serviceable top four defenseman. He's going to slot into your lineup on either the penalty kill or the power play if you want. Like, he's just, 
He's basically a Swiss Army knife defenseman. Like, what do you even ask for a guy like that? That's really the question. Like, where do we, like, what, I know Keith has meant so much to the fran- franchise and what he's brought and what he still does. Like you said, he's not what he used to be, like the top defenseman in the league, but he's still a damn good defenseman. He could be a top, he's a top pair for the Blackhawks and he, he'd probably be on the top pair with Florida. So, I mean, names I started seeing that Mark Lazarus actually tweeted out that Nola Chari from Florida would be someone to consider from, so from Florida. And then the Frankie Vitrano, he just scored a hat trick against the Hawks a few nights ago. So these are all names that are being thrown out there, but it's not a, including in the keep keep trade. It's just names that we can see from the Panthers coming to Chicago. Okay. Uh, the other big names, I mean, you mentioned, you know, also the goalie situation, Carolina sort of being something that Chicago could kind of remedy. I mean, I know fan attachment to Crawford is there in Chicago. I mean, he was there during all the cups, but it just really seems like at this point, Robin Leonard's taken over for the starting position in Chicago. And I mean, barring just something ridiculous, he should be your guys' starter going forward for the next couple of years, assuming he re-ups with the club. I mean, Crawford, again, not the Crawford that he once was, but still a perfectly serviceable starting goaltender. I mean, Carolina doesn't really have anything aside from, in my opinion, defensive prospects to trade you guys your defensive pieces. But I, I don't feel like if you're in Carolina's position, you give away defensemen right now because that's your bargaining chip, right? Like, Carolina is known for having a stacked D group right now. So is it draft picks that you guys want for Crawford? Like, what is it that you guys want from Carolina? If let's say they move Crawford there. Yeah, when it comes to Carolina, that's what's tricky. Like draft picks, like I don't think the Hawks are in position right now to be trading for draft picks either. Like this is all considering if they fall begin to falter and go on a downturn. Like I said last week that they should be making hockey trades, and that's the way I see it still. Maybe Go after one of their goalies. It doesn't matter which one, but go after one of them, get a secured backup for next year if they're going to continue with Robin Leonard going forward, which I think they will. So maybe a backup goalie that has term on his contract and cheap. And I don't know, a defenseman. I know Carolina just lost Dougie Hamilton, so that puts them in an even tougher spot. So I don't know, like a Trevor Van Riemsdyk or something along those lines and a backup goalie. But it's tough just because the Hawks are in a weird position right now where they sit two, three, or two point, three points back from a wild card spot. So it's really hard to judge these trades just where they're at. But so something along, something included like a backup goalie, though, for the future. I mean, I know it's, I know he's getting a little bit older, but I mean, do you guys think you maybe just move like one for one Crawford for a guy like, you know, Mrazek who, hasn't really stolen the starter position, but could be a, a very serviceable backup to uh, Robin Leonard. I mean, at least in his time with Detroit, I mean, Peter Morazic, he never took the starter position and really ran away with it, but he was a perfectly serviceable backup. Like, do you think that that's the sort of deal where Chicago can trade Crawford for Peter Morazic so that they have a backup signed for next year? Because I believe Mrazek's contract goes through 2021. So you already have Leonard, who you're going to probably give starter money to. Mrazek still signed up. I think it's like 3.25 or something right now. So he's not a cheap backup, but he's not a super expensive backup either. You think that's maybe an option if you want to do strictly a hockey trade? Yeah, it's definitely something that could happen. I think I, I don't even know Mrazek's contract details right now, but I know the Hawks are going to be looking for 
a cheaper option for a backup goalie just because Leonard's going to get paid, Strom's going to get paid, and, uh, who else? Kubli's got to get paid. So there's a lot of names that still have to get paid, and so they have to go cheap with the backup. Like they can't do what they did this year and pay 11 million to goalies. So it, it's a tough situation just because, like, if Morazic's contract lets it and the cap the cap's cheap, then I could see it happening. But yeah, it's tough. It, it's just a weird position the Hawks are in. I mean, I'm looking at Morazic's contract right now, and let's see. Um, according to the page that I'm looking at, he's inked for, yep, 3.25 and he's through this next year. So you guys would have him basically for a year at 3.25, which you guys could ink, in my opinion, you could ink Leonard for a seven mil or seven mil a deal. You add Mirazic's 3.25. So that puts you at about 10.25. It's still not ideal, but I mean, you have your goaltending basically figured out at that point like it's not a question mark uh, no i so did you say it ends at the end of this year or end of next year at the end of next year but yeah so you guys would have him for one season at 3.25 as a backup which at that point i mean i feel like after that you just go for somebody who you can get on the cheap because either marisical of either just or shown he's not going to be like a long-term backup for you guys which i don't think he really he will be but it's basically you guys can move him at that point or see if he wants to re-sign for a cheaper deal as a backup. Yeah, that's definitely an option. I mean, Mirazic would be a, ser- a serviceable backup, so I, it's someone I would trust as a backup goalie because obviously Leonard's going to be the – they're not going to do what they did this year. Like Leonard's going to be the star of the show next year if he does return. So, yeah, I would definitely be down for Peter Mirazic. It's just all things considered what Corey Crawford's meant to this organization. No, 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 regardless of what we get, the return is just never going to feel like enough just because of – all he's done and still continues to do because he's playing really well this season. And I mean, that's the thing, right? Like maybe you guys send Crawford to Carolina's way. Carolina sends you guys like, I don't know, like Mrazic and a third or a fourth or something. I mean, cause I don't think Carolina is going to be giving up a first or a second for a goaltender when they're getting rid of one of their own. I just, I don't see that happening realistically. I mean, maybe you do, but I mean, just looking from the outside, I can't see Carolina giving away that much because, I mean, Carolina is almost in a win-now type mode with the group that they have as well. I mean, the window for them I don't think is closed, but it's not getting any more open either. You know what I mean? Yeah, this is their time to win right now. I mean, they have a great they have a great built team from blue line to the forward group. Obviously, the goalie is their biggest problem, which is why we're having this conversation. So they're not going to give up too much, but they will pay for – a Stanley Cup caliber goalie, which it, right now that makes the most sense is Crawford to Carolina. Those are the two really big names of Chicago that were in uh, trade rumors for this year, the deadline. Um, now, just from the outside looking, or not from the outside looking, but for you as a fan, I mean, before we move forward, do you see the Chicago Blackhawks as a buyer or a seller at this trade deadline? Because I, I feel like they need to, if they're going to commit, they need to commit right now, right? Because, I mean, the deadline is in a couple weeks, and they're basically a bubble team right now, right? Like, they're only a couple points out, and I mean, two or three hot games, they're in the running again. Like, where where would you like to see the Blackhawks go this deadline? Would you like them to just commit to being a seller? Or would you like to, the, to see them essentially take the gamble again and say, well... Let's see if we can get just one more cup out of this group. I think 
Oh, man, it's so tough right now just because we only sit three points back. And I still am undecided. Like I said last week, hockey trades only. That's and I that's what I still believe. But if we're if I had to lean one side or the other, I'd say more buyer. But like, don't overpay. Don't pay for a premium player. Pay go get guys that are just gonna like they could play a role, some kind of role. Like I, I said last week, Jesper Fast. Uh, he's someone that intrigues me. Connor Brown intrigues me from Ottawa. I said this last week, but yeah. Just go get guys that can play a role. Don't go get don't go after like a Chris Kreider or anything like that. Just because they cost he'll cost too much. And right now we we can't give up that much. Like we are not in position. We're not a deep organization right now with prospects and draft picks. So either stand pat or be a buyer, but only with smaller moves that still improve the team. Yeah, so so you're looking basically more instead of big signings, you're looking more for depth pieces, basically. That's exactly. Because I don't. I mean, I don't think the Hawks are that far off. Like where they are in the standings, that goes to show. But I just think little. Like the defense is weak. We know that. I think just moves like that where they could play a role and maybe come into a new system and thrive there. That I'm all right with that. Or like go take a chance on a guy, someone that has term on a contract. It's they're in a weird situation right now, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a crazy finish. I think maybe by. I would say by the Oilers game, February 11th is when we'll finally figure out when what the Hawks should and will be. Okay. Um, any other trade rumors or anything like that that you want to talk about for the Blackhawks before we talk about the Red Wings uh, potential trade rumors that have been coming out this week? No, I think I'm good. I think, uh, yeah, that's really all I've been seeing right now. And I'm sure next week we'll have a lot more to cover around that too. Okay. So I'm going to give full disclosure right now. In terms of the trades that I'm about to talk about for Detroit, there's nothing set in stone. There's nothing official coming out saying that Detroit is looking to trade these players. This is purely based off of clips in the media of things that people have said or just looking at the roster. But it's obvious Detroit is going to be a seller this deadline. And a lot of people have been speculating, you know, what is Detroit going to be looking to trade and get rid of? Um, probably the biggest piece that is going to be getting a lot of news attention or should soon is Andreas Athanasiu. Um, a lot of people have been saying, you know, he's a young piece for the core moving forward. I personally don't see it. And if you listen to any of Steve Eiserman's interviews since he became GM, whenever he talks about the core for Detroit, I don't think I've ever heard him say Athanasiu's name one time. So I think it means that Athanasiu is being moved at this deadline. I mean, he's going to want money if he tries to use last year's uh, production of 30 goals on the table, which I just don't see it unless he gets a solid bona fide playmaking center with him, which even then I still don't like it because that means he's relying purely on the players that he's playing with. So I think Detroit moves him at this deadline, and it's not even just looking at like the team's composition at this point and what's in the future pipeline. It's when you look at this team's future pipeline of players coming through and guys who they're going to try to make a cup happen with. I mean, there's not a spot for Athanasiu, and it seems like he's going to be the trade piece. Um, I've seen talks of teams like Edmonton. They basically or not Edmonton but people online basically said you know he's young he's fast if you put him with a guy like Drysaddle or McDavid who can just feed him 
you'll get great production. He's got the speed to keep up with the uh, speedy guys in Edmonton. And he really just lends himself to that just high offensive game, which they try to play. Um, I've also seen talks potentially with a team like, say, Florida, who could always use more guys on the front end. I've heard of talks of Carolina of bolstering their goal scoring power. I think he probably gets dealt. I could see probably a second or a third round draft pick for him. Um, Nick, let's say you're a GM looking at Detroit. What do you offer for Andreas Athanasiu? That's yeah. It's, he's an interesting. I know we've been kind of talking about. It. He's an interesting player just because, like you mentioned, he ha- he was a thirty goal scorer. So Detroit's going to be looking for a return like that. Like they're going to be looking for a return of what he was and not what he currently is. Because obviously they want to get the most out of anybody that they could. So, but as of right now, like his production, a second round pick and maybe a mid round, like a fourth, a second and a fourth might do it. I know Detroit's going to be looking for a first to start, but right now Anthony CU is one of the bigger name, is the most intriguing piece from Detroit, I would say, coming towards the trade deadline, and he might is going to be the one that brings the biggest return. So. If there is a team desperate out there, I could see them. I could see the Red Wings getting a first round pick. It's just it's going to be obviously from a playoff team, and so it'll be a later a later first round pick. But any first round pick or draft picks would help Detroit immensely with Steve Eiserman continuing this rebuild this offseason. I saw something kind of interesting uh, in like a theory online. What if Detroit traded Athanasiu in like a third in exchange for a first round pick to somebody? Because I mean, I've seen a lot of people say, you know, he's not worth a first round pick because he's not a continual goal scorer. And he's got still defensive holes in his game to try to work with. Um, If I look at him and I see Detroit move him and a third for a first, I think that's pretty much a win in Detroit's book. Um. I mean, I mentioned Carolina or Edmonton. Uh, if you were to pick, which one do you think you would go to as a better fit, Nick? I think Edmonton. I think Edmonton makes a lot of sense just because they're not really deep with forwards. Like They have an interesting group of forwards. They have veterans, young guys mixed all throughout their lineup. I think a team like Edmonton is probably going to be the making the biggest push for Anthony CU. But yeah, it's like to throw alongside with McDavid and Dressel, like you were saying. So Edmonton, I could see being the more logical option for Anthony C's landing spot. And let's not forget, Ryan Hartman got a first-round pick in return from the Blackhawks a few seasons ago. So Anthony C, he's very he, – he could definitely bring in a first-round pick. It's just Eiserman's going to have to do some work to do that. But he's worth the first-round pick if Ryan Hartman was worth the first-round pick. So, like, I think he could be worth it if the team that he gets traded to is desperate. I mean – Maybe Edmonton is desperate to try to push for a real solid playoff run this season. I mean, even after drafting McDavid and Drysdale, they've made the playoffs what once. Yeah, one time. Like, I I get it. Edmonton's hockey market is absolutely dedicated, but like, even even the fans in Edmonton must look at this team and say, "Look, you've got the best player arguably in the world on your team. You've got one of the other best players in the world on your team." Like you need, like we need to be seeing this kid in the postseason. Like if you're the Edmonton Oilers, you've got to be trying to make that push, right? I mean, they haven't really been anything in the postseason for at least a decade. Like I almost think maybe maybe Holland does the old Holland special and overpays for Athens to see you at the deadline. 
maybe that's something that they do. I mean, it's possible, man. Like, it, there's nothing to rule out because when it comes to the trade deadline and adding pieces, everybody's going to overpay. Like, people will overpay to get a guy that they want. So it's definitely something that is very much in the realm of possibility because Anthony was once a star-studded prospect and a, just a true promising forward. And I believe he's, that's still in there. And maybe a change of scenery is needed. So a team will overpay at the deadline. Anthony Sioux to Edmonton, there's a lot of connection with Ken Holland. Ken Holland loved Anthony Sioux, so we could see that happening very soon. The other big piece that has been talks of trading in Detroit has been Jimmy Howard. Um, I know fans will bag on him until the day he retires, but the fact is Jimmy Howard has not had a great defensive group playing in front of him for the past probably three years now. And if you look at his stats before the defense crew really fell apart, they weren't bad. Like he was a perfectly competent starting caliber goaltender. Um, It seems like we're talking about Carolina a lot this episode, but is Howard a potential move to Carolina as well? I mean, are Howard and Mrazek reunited in Carolina maybe? Like, because it seems like Detroit is going to want to move him either this deadline before next season because i mean the wings are gonna need to figure out what's going on with goaltending and lock it up for some term because detroit's still got nothing coming in the pipeline for goaltenders for at least a couple more seasons yeah i mean that that also makes a lot of sense because you know maybe carolina is not gonna want to pay for a guy like crawford so howard is he it would be a caliber backup and right just ride morazic hope he stays hot and Howard has postseason experience as well. So it's a very likely option for that. We know Carolina's in the goaltending market. They're going to be, we know they're already doing their research. They're going out scouting. So Howard is a, another likely option to go to Carolina. Howard, I don't think really nets as big of a return on the goalie market as a guy like say Corey Crawford was, because I mean, Howard doesn't have the success that Crawford does. And he doesn't have the stats i don't think that crawford does as well a lot but he's still a perfectly serviceable guy to have in between your pipes and like i said you know fans in detroit will look at howard's stats purely on paper and say he's not a starter caliber goaltender but if you have a defensive group like carolina does i think he becomes a starting caliber goaltender for you and like you said i mean he's got playoff experience he's been with this team in the postseason several times like the experience is there for him now albeit not as good as Crawford because Crawford has made it all the way to the top of the mountain multiple times but if Carolina decides you know they don't want the most expensive starting caliber goaltender on the market Howard seems like he could be a legitimate option yeah he definitely is don't believe there were any other prospects Excerpt uh, players potentially being uh, talked about for trades with Detroit. Those are the really big two that have been in recent discussion uh, the past couple of weeks. Well, the next thing I kind of want to do for this podcast is let's sort of just recap how the season has gone for both the Red Wings and the Blackhawks. Because I mean, we did predictions at the beginning of the season what these teams would look like at this point in the season, or just I guess throughout the season in general. Um, we talked about it at the start of the show. So, Nick, what were your expectations or expectations for the Blackhawks going into this season? So, yeah, if we go back, we talked about this right before the season started. It was kind of a our big talking point, and 
I had me and Kevin both had the Blackhawks as our surprise team to make some noise. And right now they're they're in contention and they're doing they're I'm happy with where they're, where they're at. They haven't been an embarrassment to watch. They've been fighting. They, you're seeing them fight back in games. You're seeing them come back down two goals, three goals. The Hawks are finding a way to get it done. They're beating teams that they should be beating. So I'm very content with where the Hawks are at right now. I, I never thought they were going to be a top three team in the division. I thought wild card was a legit option. And right now that's the case. Like they're making a run for their money with the wild card. They just got, they had a huge win tonight in Arizona. We'll cover that all stuff next week. But where the position the position they're in right now, I'm perfectly fine with it because they're in a position to make a run and beat some teams and sneak into the playoffs, and that's what that's what uh, they're going to have to do. So, in your opinion, I mean, I mean, you said you know you expected the Blackhawks to be a wild card team in this point in the season, which they are. I mean, they're what is it three points out at this point, so they're definitely in that spot where if they go on a hot streak of even like four or five games, they're in the playoffs. I mean, is that like when you look at the roster right now, is that where you want them at? Or do you look at this team and say, well, maybe it's best if we miss again this year in hopes of having an awesome jump like you guys had last year? Because, I mean, you guys went from, what was it, 12th to 3rd in the draft last year? Yeah, miraculously. I mean, like for you, like as a fan watching, teams of, like the team's basically a wild card team. Would you be willing to risk that jump in the draft lottery in exchange for one more essential playoff appearance for this team and chance at the cup? Because, I mean, like I said, Chicago, I, I, like I said it before, Chicago will come crashing down. And I know fans in Chicago don't want to hear it, but it's the nature of sports. I mean, at some point, every team falls apart. The Detroit Red Wings are a perfect example of this right now. Like, do you think that it's worth it for them to make it into the playoffs this year as a wild card team, just for that one last chance at a cup before this team starts to age? Yeah, uh, to be honest, with you, Jordan, I'm tired of losing. Like those two season, past two seasons have been so rough watching a losing team. I am ready for the Hawks to be back in the playoffs. I I got a little cocky after the 2015 Cup, and when we, then when we lost to the Blues and Predators in the first round back to back seasons. Uh, with being in school in Michigan, I'd always just talk shit to some of my buddies. They're like, yeah, the Hawks are going to be the new playoff record, like the consecutive playoff appearances. And that came back, Connor came back and got me real quick. But I want this team to make the playoffs. I'm tired of I, the last two years have been so long, just with no not having anyone to root for in April, May, and June. So I'm all right with that. Like, I draft picks don't matter to me anymore right now. Like, we got two high picks and their future studs, I'm ready to start winning, and that's what they need to do. Like, make the playoffs, because no matter if you're the eighth seed or the first seed, everybody has a chance. Okay. I mean, let's talk about the wings then for a second. Um, Me and David were, I think conservative was a pretty fair term to describe the expectations for the wings this, uh, this regular season. We basically said, you know, this team's not good. They're not going to be a playoff team but they're not going to be the worst team in the league. And <laughs> apparently humbleness didn't get us anywhere because this team is at the bottom and it's not even a close bottom at this point. I think they're like 16 points away from the next lowest team. So the Red Wings are the 
the, like they're the definition of the bottom of the barrel at this point, right? Like next worst team would have to go on just a ridiculously long string of losses to even begin trying to match Detroit at this point. So Detroit is a lock for last overall this year, which like I said, me and David didn't expect this team to be a playoff team. We didn't expect them to be good, but God, this season has been awful to watch. Um, Constantly getting blown out by three, four, sometimes even five goals a night. The defense just looking a mess. And on top of that, I mean, we've seen great strides forward with guys like Mantha, like Bertuzzi. Larkin has not been playing up to his known talent level, but I mean, players have up and down years. Zadina has been a bright spot for Detroit and even Giovanni Smith to an extent. Ugh, this season has just been rough for Detroit. I th- there was an article on The Athletic that came out, I think it was two days ago. This is one of the worst seasons in the NHL ever. This has been just ugly to watch. Yeah, sadly, the the light at the end of the tunnel just seems so far away right now, too, just because, like, this is rock bottom as rock bottom gets. I mean... The Capitals had the worst, had the worst record in the NHL, I think, in the '80s with eight eight wins, and this feels like you're starting to feel like how bad that is, just because the Red well, the Red Wings have like 12 wins right now, but that is just it's awful because they're winning at a 20 percent rate. Yeah, like, it, it's a tw- it's somewhere in the 20 ish win percent. Like it it's pretty bad. <laughs> it feels like there's no no point in even turning on the TV. You're like, well, it's going to be a loss, but. You just got to ride out this rebuild. I know it sucks right now, but in the end, it's worth it. So you're just going to have to you know, take the punches now, get bullied a little bit, and then the light at the end of the tunnel gets closer and closer with the better draft picks you guys get. I think the worst part about the season, though, is I mean, there have definitely been some ups and downs this like season so far. I mean, Zadina has absolutely came into his own. Robbie Fabry has been a really pleasant surprise. Uh, Anthony Mantha, when he's been healthy, has been absolutely on point. Uh, even Tyler Bertuzzi has been very good for the Wings this season. So I think it's pretty obvious Detroit has a good forward group here. Like, I think that Detroit's forward group, it's pretty much established for the foreseeable future. I don't think forward is anywhere in Detroit's questions. I really think that at this point, the season has done one thing for us so far, and it's shown that Detroit really needs to bolster its blue line moving forward. I mean, Moritz Sider has looked very good in Grand Rapids. Uh, Philip Ronick has looked very good. Dennis Shalousey looks like he's improving, and the nice thing is Detroit is getting a lot of cap space. So, I mean, I guess it's kind of a bright spot for the season, seeing some of the defensive prospects start to improve a little bit and just knowing that come free agency this offseason, there's actually going to be real dollars on the table to spend. So, I mean, I guess that's sort of the light at the end of the tunnel, but still, it has been it has been miserable watching Detroit get blown out 1-5, to 1-4, to 0-4, 0-5. But, I mean, if it... If it lands us a guy like Alexis Refinery, it should all be worth it at the end of the day because Detroit hasn't had a top three pick, I believe, since the 80s, if I remember correctly. So it's been a while. Yeah, and, you know, I I, I mentioned it a few weeks ago that, like you said, 
like you just said, the Detroit Red Wings have money to spend this offseason. So if they get Lafreniere, things could bolster quickly because if they get the number one pick, they get Lafreniere. They could do what the Devils did this offseason and go all out and just try to make this rebuild end. So they got money to spend. They got interesting free agents coming up. So let this year be it. Like let it just let it suck for a year or this year. And who knows what happens this offseason when uh, first full offseason with Eisenman at the realm. I swear if Detroit get kit, uh, gets kicked out of the top three spots, I am going to be furious. <laughs> Number four? That would suck. Worst part is, is that's statistically the most likely thing to happen. Like it. What is first overall? It's like a eighteen point five percent for the number one worst team. Yes, the odds aren't the odds aren't heavily favored for Detroit. So that is hopefully not what happens. Hopefully we get to actually keep our first overall, considering we haven't had one like I said since the eighties. I mean, it, it's good. It, 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 I think it, this is the year that Detroit doesn't get messed up in the draft. Like I, 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 I don't want to put any conspiracy behind it, but with the Hawks getting a top three pick last year and the Rangers also squeaking in there. Uh, the NHL needs a ratings boost from the biggest fan bases in the league. So Detroit going number one or top two, at least makes the most sense. Even top two, I would be thrilled with. Cause like even like, yes, Lafreniere is obviously at this point consensus number one overall, but even a guy like Byfield, I would not be mad if Detroit picked him at second. Oh, absolutely not. This draft's loaded, the, especially with the top five. You really can't go wrong with – obviously, the Frenier is above the rest of the class, but the top five is star-studded. But you want to get – obviously, it, this is going to sound like a very obvious statement and dumb, but you want to get the best player you possibly can in the draft and the most fitting for the team and Byfield, the Frenier – Alexander Holtz, they all make sense for the Red Wings. Okay, well, we can move on, I guess, to what we want to see for the rest of the season. Because, I mean, the All-Star break is kind of gone. Uh, the regular season is back up and running. So we're on this last stretch of games for the season. And, I mean, we just talked about the Hawks. But, I mean, the Hawks are basically a playoff uh, wild card position at this point. I mean, you said basically you want to see the Hawks get into the postseason, right? Because, I mean, the Hawks have been out of the playoffs the past two years. Like, I mean, Chicago fans have had a taste of cup success finally. And that's not to throw shade at the Hawks organization. Just you guys have been in a cup drought, you know, since the 60s until recently. Like, you guys finally have had real tastes of playoff success. And you want some more. Like, that's pretty much the consensus around the Hawks fan base correct yeah absolutely i mean we ended a 49 year drought in 2010 and you know that tasted good so we wanted to go for another drink in 2013 that tasted even better and that third drink from the cup oh my goodness it tasted great and you know obviously like the fans haven't drank from the cup but it, it just the celebration the great times and how much hockey meant to the city of chicago throughout the 2010s decade and the rebirth and just the star set of talent we have all throughout our lineup, the core that brought us to that cup. We want that again. Like we want to go through it with this different core that we have. We still have like the main pieces with Keith Kane, Taves. I mean, Seabrook's injured and Crawford. So we want to go for that win. Like if we, if I, if we're going to continue with our topic, like what I want to see, I just want to see the Hawks still be in the running. I don't want to see a long losing streak that brings us down to the standings. So I, I expect the Hawks just to continue what they're doing. They're seven to three in their last ten, so I want 
more trends like that. You go seven and three, and a team like Arizona has kind of been on a losing streak lately. They're two, five, and three in their last ten. We could leap them, get in that eighth seed. And like I said, it doesn't matter whether you're eight or one. If you're in the playoffs, anything could happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, on the wings front, I think if there's anything that I want to see for the Red Wings for the rest of the season, I just want to see the defensive guys improve. Like Chalowski, I want to see him improve. Heronic, I mean, I don't know how you can really ask Heronic to improve. He's like, I think, a half a point per game almost. I mean, yes, I want to see him continue to improve his defensive play, but offensively, he's been a stud for defensemen this season. Um, My other thing is I want to see Detroit, after the trade deadline, really start giving stints to these guys like Mort Sider, like a guy like Gustav Lindstrom, in the NHL level and just get some realistic idea of what these guys look like. I mean, Moritz Sider took over the defenseman spot at World Juniors this year for Germany. Like, I know it's a, I know it's a pretty big name to compare him to, but he, he was basically the equivalent of a guy like Keith for Germany. He played in the penalty kill. He played on the power play. He logged big minutes. Like he just did everything at that level. I want to see if he can translate it to the NHL level because he's been in Grand Rapids all season so far, and he hasn't gotten a chance to try the NHL level yet and see, can he hang? Can he not hang? Is it a size that's going to hold him back from getting it this year? That's really what I want to see from Detroit this season for the rest of the season anyway. So basically like you're content with the lose, like keep it doesn't right now when like going on a winning streak, doesn't even matter. Like it won't really bring you joy anymore, obviously with being this far out. So just, you want to see these young guys be in bigger roles is what you're saying. Like bring them up, give them a shot, let them get a little taste of the NHL. Yeah. Cause I mean, the season is a wash, right? I mean, I Detroit would literally have to win every single game for the rest of the season to even try to have a playoff spot, which I don't want and isn't going to happen. They're so ridiculously far back. So if you're in Iserman's position, let these kids who you think are going to be future pieces for the future, who look like they could be future pieces for the future, get NHL reps against competition who, yes, they may get outclassed. That's fine. But remember, at the end of the day, these are players that you're not looking for immediately to make an impact. These are players who, in two or three years, you're looking to be those core pieces in your defensive group for this rebuild. Like, give those kids a chance. And even if they flop, let them continue to get reps because at this point, there's no reason not to let them. Yeah. And you see, prospect, like, Montreal today, they just sent down Jesper, Jesperi Cocteniemi. Like, if, if if they're not ready for it, you could always just send them back down. They're on two-way deals. You know, if they, it's not going to ruin their confidence if they, you know, got a taste of the NHL and just showed that they weren't ready. Go back to the AHL, let them dominate, then it's okay. But at least give them a chance and see what they are right now if, they, if they're ready for that next leap because you never know unless you don't try it. I mean, like that kind of happened this season with uh, Philip Zadina, right? Like Zadina started the season in Grand Rapids. He didn't start in Detroit. And he got the chance to come up to Detroit after playing in Grand Rapids for the year. And 
He stuck around. I think Moritz Sider could do the same at the end of this season. Like, I've watched a couple of Grand Rapids games. He's looked very good. Is he going to be top defenseman next year? No, of course not. I don't think any Detroit fan would expect him to be, but could he slot into your or slot into your bottom four? Yeah, absolutely. I think he could. He can't be any sort of a worse player than the defense already has playing for it right now. And I mean, that's not again to throw shade at the guys on Detroit's defensive group. I just I don't see how you could look at you know. Trevor Daly and Moritz Sider and say Moritz Sider is going to be a worse defenseman than Trevor Daly size aside. Like, I think just give them reps, see what they have, and not just keep them in for 26 minutes a game, regardless of how badly they're getting burnt on reads, but give them time, give them NHL reps, give them a chance to actually play in these big situations because the season's a wash. At this point, Detroit has nothing to lose by playing these kids, you only are going to let these kids get reps. I, I 100% agree with you there, Jordan. Is there anything else for the uh, the Blackhawks or the Red Wings that you can think of that we need to talk about uh, before we transition to the rest of the NHL? Because there's not a ton to talk about, really, except for uh, the playoff predictions that we had at the start of the season, which I kind of want to go over and just see how either right or wrong we were. Yeah, let's just get to that then. I mean, I think uh, obviously there's a short with the all-star break not really much news surrounding our teams but there was news that we had to cover and now i think the predictions are next up on the list all right so if you listen to this podcast at all towards the beginning of this season we did sort of like a who's going to be in the playoff type scenario where we picked the teams that we thought were going to be in the playoff running this soft se- or in this postseason and i kind of want to revisit it and just see how correct we were, how completely wrong we were, and just sort of, I guess, evaluate at this point. So, Nick, you said you have him in front of you, so, I mean, I'll I'll be the first person to be the sacrificial lamb. Uh, what did my predictions look like? All right, so we'll go, with, we'll go with you. We'll go you, me, and then we'll make fun of the two that aren't here with us today. So, with that being said... Jordan, you, when we did this episode, that episode, your surprise team was for the Eastern Conference was the New Jersey Devils. So that was your surprise team. Western Conference surprise team was the Oilers, which as of right now, that's looking like a good pick. And then Toronto was your team for disappointment, and Vegas was your team for disappointment in the West. So your playoff teams from the Eastern Conference was Boston, which – very good pick. I mean, obviously, that's expected. Tampa Bay, on the money right now. Penguins, on the money in the playoffs as of right now. The Devils, which, oof, oof. <laughs> <laughs> the Canadians, a big oof right there as well. They're still in the running, though, so we can't count them out. The Rangers, you'll see a trend of that later. And the Capitals. Okay, so about like half right. <laughs> you're shooting like one, two, three. Yeah, yeah, you're shooting fifty percent right now. And but Montreal and the Rangers could go on a run still. They're not completely out of it. But uh, as for the Devils, yeah, that one sucks. <laughs> that one's tough. They were a surprise team this year, just not the surprise we wanted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were the uh, the bottom half of the surprise. They were like, oh, like everybody got hopped, hopped on that hop tra- uh, hype train, and 
Yeah, it, it wasn't pretty. <laughs> Uh, so so basically going five basically breaking to 50 50 so i mean not terrible i mean i do still think that if the canadians get a little bit hotter they can squeak in yeah, absolutely like the canadians and rangers are still teams that can make a run and they're not teams that you can really count out right now so we can still see that happen uh and then for your west your western conference teams that you had making the playoffs you had the stars okay yep they're in it looking good right now predators good about what is it five points out oh yeah my bad yeah predators they are currently they're four points out so still in the hunt and a team like nashville is dangerous and they could turn it on any second the blackhawks which they're in the hunt the oilers looking good sharks <laughs> flames <laughs> flames are at a wild card spot and jordan I'm sorry, but I have to pick on you for this one. Your A team was the Anaheim Ducks. Ugh, so the Sharks <laughs> and the Ducks let me down. Yeah, they are. Uh, that Western, that Pacific division is really letting you down right now. Uh, the Oilers pick, though, I, like that one I'm proud of. That one I'm proud of because a lot of people still didn't have faith in this team after the way that last season shook out. Yeah, and the Oilers was a great pick. Uh, you and you were confident. I listened to that episode again today because I had to listen to it twice in the last week because I wrote it down and then left that sheet at school. So I had to re-listen to the episode. And but you were very confident with the Oilers choice. All right, Nick. Let's see how you did. All right. Well, this is your chance to make fun of me now. My surprise team from the East was the Buffalo Sabers. I got very cocky with them when they were on their little heater. <laughs> Like they were on a run this year earlier this year, and I was like, "Wow, they're a wagon. They're awesome. Like nobody's gonna stop this team. They're for sure a playoff team." And now they are sitting a cool ten points out from a playoff spot right now. They started the season pretty hot. Yeah, they were on like a seven game win streak to start the year. I'm like, okay. I mean, Nick, tap on the pack right there. But uh, yeah, they're letting me down right now. Uh, from the West, my surprise team was the Hawks, which they're in the running. Three points out, like I said. My disappointment is I'm disappointed in my disappointment choices because I chose the Penguins and the Stars who are just dominating. They're unreal. They're in the playoffs, both of them, and I look like an idiot that doesn't know anything about hockey. <laughs> and all right, so for my eight teams making it from the East, I had the Bruins, Tampa yeah, that's Bay. that's a good one. Bruins, yeah, Tampa Bay. Good one. Uh, I had the Maple Leafs who are okay. in the Capitals, Flyers, who are in barely. They're hanging in on the, that last wildcard spot. Rangers, which, again, everybody are on the hype, but they're in the running. The Panthers, just uh, two points off of the wildcard spot. And the Sabres, who, like I said already, they have been disappointing. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean... To be fair, like maybe you had like a crystal ball for the Penguins, and you saw like all the injuries that they had or were going to have this season. You're like, no way, they're going to completely lose. Look at all those injuries, and the team was like, nah, just kidding. Yeah, we're still going to be dominant. Screw you, Nick. Even though we lost Crosby for a while, even though we lost Malkin for a while, even though we had other injuries that hurt depth guys, nah, we're still going to be a playoff team, and pretty pretty handedly so. Yeah. Uh, so. That was just a bad choice to doubt the Pittsburgh Penguins and the dominant team they've been. So, yeah, I look like an idiot with those two disappointment teams that I listed. 
So uh, I guess I'll we'll run through Kevin and David. I'll run through Kevin and David's real quick. Kevin had the, his surprise team as the Panthers and the Blackhawks, which they're both on the brink of a wild card spot right now. Mm-hmm. And then, like like me, Kevin had his disappointment as the Penguins, which looks tough, and the Blues, who are the best team in the Western Conference. So only slightly off. Yeah, just uh, just a slight, just slightly off. Uh, so <laughs> for his eight teams from the Eastern, he had Boston, good. Tampa, good. New Jersey, again, everybody bought him the hype this offseason. It just didn't work out. The Capitals in. The Rangers, like we said, you're noticing a trend that the Rangers, we all got hyped up for that Panera, Truba, offseason, and Kako. And then he had the Hurricanes, which they are on the brink of being a playoff team. They're two points out. And I, like his surprise team, the Panthers. But we need to send Kevin back to school because that's only seven teams. So we, Kevin's basically just, he's got a freebie on the eighth spot. You can just claim anyone that makes the playoffs and said, yep, I picked them. And then his eight from the Western, Predators, Hawks. So over two on playoff spot right now. Avalanche in, Vegas in, Calgary in, and then San Jose, Rough, Arizona. It is right now, and the Canucks, which is a great pick by Kevin for Canucks. So basically, Kevin had the real, almost perfect crystal ball because I mean, Rangers and Devils aside, like his predictions were spot on. I mean, the Penguins was a little bit off, but the Rangers and Devils, everyone looked at those offseason moves that they made, and how do you look at those moves and not say that's going to be a playoff team this year? Oh, I 100% agree with you. Like, those are, they went all, they were all in moves. And these, like, the hype for those two teams were unreal. After two high picks, they had the first overall and second overall pick, respectively. And then they make these big offseason splashes. And it's just been a disappointment so far, especially for the Devils. The Rangers could still find a little run. But yeah, as besides for San Jose, really, for Kevin, he's looking pretty good. The Preds, like I said, could go for a run. So there's still a team to look out for. So Kevin, so far, is the best one out of all three of us. And then David, his surprise team was the Rangers. We, we've we already talked enough about the Rangers. And Dallas, which that looks good on David right now. And then his disappointment was Toronto and the Winnipeg Jets. Toronto was a disappointment at the beginning of the season. Now they're looking good. So he was right for about a quarter of the season. Or not even a quarter, maybe like 10 games. And then the Winnipeg Jets, who have, are in a playoff run right now, but I don't think we see them make the playoffs, so he looks good there. And then Eastern Conference is Tampa Bay, Boston, Capitals, Penguins, Rangers, Leafs, Devils, Islanders. Oh, really? Only the Devils are the bad pick there? Yeah, that's really it. Like, the Devil, like, and like we said, they were just so hyped up. The Devils were... A logical choice for really everyone. I actually did I I did not have the Devils, but the Sabres were basically my Devils. <laughs> and then Western Conference for David was Sharks, Blues, Predators, Flames, Vegas, Avs, Hawks, Jets. So his actually wasn't that bad aside from the Sharks, which again, kind of like New Jersey, went out this offseason, made some moves, and just, they haven't panned out for some reason. 
yeah, it, it's it's been a it's been a weird season. Like I think that was the trend that we were always talking about, like how weird the season's been already. And we still got just a little less than half of it to go. But yeah, it's like the two most hyped teams probably this off season, and they're not even sitting in a playoff spot right now. So, uh, you seen the trend with the Rangers being the guys we were all every one of us bought into, and the Devils three fourths of us bought into, and it just hasn't worked out, but. Uh, that's where we stand. That's where we stand from our prediction at the beginning of the season. And, you know, we don't look like complete idiots. We uh, we've had some. We all had some good picks in there. Yeah, everybody had some good picks. Um, everybody who bought into what should have been realistic hype got let down because for whatever reason, moves don't work out. But everybody pretty much made smart decisions for the most part. I mean, nobody really bet against anybody who is in a definitive playoff spot at this time. I mean, the Penguins, I guess you could say, yeah, you you took a gamble on saying they weren't going to make it. But, I mean, they were losing depth left and right, so it didn't really look like they were going to be able to keep it up. I mean, we've been seeing guys leaving that team, going elsewhere, and getting roles with other teams. So it's one of those, is the prospect pool and the players in their pipeline going to step up, which they have this season. A hundred percent. We're a couple weeks off from the playoffs. Um, I would love to do this when uh, David and Kevin get back, so we'll probably end up doing this uh, the next time we record. But next time we record, I want to essentially talk about which team we think, based on the current playoff picture of like the definitive teams, so like let's say you know a Tampa, a Boston, a Washington, or a Pittsburgh is the most realistic chance of winning the cup this postseason. I mean, and we'll probably be wrong there again because, I mean, look at last year. Who expected Tampa Bay to get swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets? Absolutely nobody, but it happened. Yeah, yeah that's the best part about the NHL. You, you could, uh, The eight seed could go in and sweep the number one seed, and that's what happened. That's something I kind of want to do next, uh, next episode that we record. Um, we said at the start of the episode though this week is kind of a weird week because the all-star game happened it delayed the schedule a bit i mean i don't want to say the all-star game is a waste of time but there's nothing on the line for it really like there aren't points in the standings there's not you know contract money at stake like there's no reason for the pros to play to win at this game and really risk injury. There's, it's not like the Olympics where, you know, it happens once every four years and your chances to win this prize are going to happen maybe two or three times in your lifetime. If you're a fantastic player, like think for this week, an interesting thing for at least us two to talk about is, I mean, what can the NHL do to make the all-star game mean more than what it currently does? Cause I mean, this game as of right now, it's got no weight. I don't want to call it a joke, but it really is. Like, there's no incentive to win. There's no incentive to play hard. It just, you're getting a bunch of guys together from teams, either merit wise or not, together to play this game. And sure, it's fun watching guys from different teams to come together and play, but you can already watch that in the IIHF Worlds tournaments in the summer. Like, 
What do you think the NHL could do to make the All-Star game more watchable and make it so players actually want to compete? Yeah, that's a very good question because, like, the All-Star game has had no meaning behind it. Like, the three-on-three, it's sure you see some cool goals or stuff like that, but there's just players out there not trying. Like, I know you don't want to get hurt in a game that's really meaningless in the end, but you don't want – like, it's just – like, there was a few clips where – I think it was Seth Jones. He didn't even bother to make a play on uh, a guy. You could have easily just put his body in front of him and it would have been an easy goal. So I think I know baseball, I don't really watch all-star games in general just because they always suck, but baseball kind of has it right. Go back to the old version of West first East for the playoffs or if not for the playoffs, West first East for the all-star game. And Make the winning the winning team has home ice advantage in the Stanley Cup final. I think that's the only logical choice if you to make it actually competitive and for most of these players that are on the All Star team to go for a run. I think what I would do if I wanted to make the All Star game a lot more competitive and I guess have some more stake to it is I would actually really like to see the NHL take each player who's in the All Star game and essentially tell them, Hey, if you're on the team that wins the tournament like overall we're going to donate i don't know $200,000 to the charity of your choice like or even if they said you know or we'll donate whatever the uh the proceeds are for merchandise at the actual game itself to a charity of your choice like let's say i don't know somebody chooses make a wish foundation let's say you know Tyler Rattuzzi says, I want my proceeds of the uh, the prize to go to Make-A-Wish. Say he's on the team that wins. The NHL donates $200,000 to Make-A-Wish. Like, that's an excellent PR move. It makes their actual stakes for winning. And it's just good publicity. Like, I think players would be a lot less lazy if they saw that their play actually would matter. Oh, yeah. I, that's another good out alternative to do just because like you said it these and these players care a ton about their charities like a lot of them have started their own charities and they're very dedicated to helping out the people that are need help whether it's animals human beings or whatever they will donate to or raise money for and they're very loyal to that so i think that's a very considerable option just because of how much these charities mean to their play these players i don't think a profit incentive would be as much of an incentive for players. I mean, a guy like Connor McDavid, right? He's making, you know, a hundred million dollars over the course of eight years. I mean, what's $200,000 to him? It's really not much of anything in the grand scheme, but it just, I think players, at least if like the charity route were like a real thing that got considered, I think these players would put a lot more effort into the game if there was money on the line for a charity. Like, I think you'd see just more hustle. You'd see more talent. You'd see more passion when these guys play. Like, because at this point, you don't really see it, right? I mean, you just mentioned it, but you know, like sometimes like goalies won't bother to make those extended stretches for saves. They won't do proper position defensemen won't necessarily angle themselves in front of pucks like it's got to be some incentive that they can give players so they'll actually play and compete yeah because as of right now it's just not working 
like nobody cares. These players don't care about playing the All Star game. Like Ovechkin, he said, "I'll take my suspension. Give me a game." That's and that's the thing, right? Like it's what a one game suspension. Yeah, and I don't blame him. Like if I'm Ovi, why would I go play in this joke of an All Star game? And you know, I, I could. He'll get a slight pay taken away from him for missing a game, but one game is like these players won't care. I mean. Uh... One game does not matter to these guys who would be playing on the All-Star tournament. Like A lot of these guys, they're big-name players with big contracts who have all sorts of money tied up in contracts and sponsorships and media-type stuff with branding, all sorts of stuff. Like One game is not worth them potentially missing games in a season due to injury. It's not worth them being out time and missing production. If they're competing for a potential contract later on, like there's just no incentive at this point. I mean, you mentioned it, you know, Ovi said, all right, yeah, I'll take my suspension. No big deal. And it's not a big deal to a guy like him. It's one game. Nobody cares. I mean, is that maybe another thing that the NHL needs to look at is, the fact that if you skip this game, it needs to be more than one game suspension. Because, I mean, at that point, then you're also not solving the problem because then these players can still just show up and just play like, you know, like a half-assed game. Yeah, right now I think there's really no win. It's because either way the NHL is going to look like the bad guy because fans know this tournament, this all-star game, whatever you want to call it, is a joke. And if they're going to suspend a player, say if they up their suspension to five games, they even look they look like even more assholes just because they know these players don't want to play in it, but they're not changing they're not changing the game the way the players would want it. They just are like, all right, you're not going to play our way. You're getting suspended, and that's just a bad look. It's the equivalent of telling a kid that, oh, you don't want to go on this field trip to wherever we're going. Fine, you're going to sit and sit in like a room somewhere for the day while the rest of the class goes and does it. The kid who didn't want to go on the field trip doesn't care because he didn't want to go anyway. You're not actually punishing him by forcing him to not go. Like, I know that's a weird analogy for it, but that's basically what the league is doing at this point. And it really just doesn't seem like there's a fix in sight. I hope there is just because, I mean, there's fans paying lots of money to go these all-star weekend festivities and they're missing out on some of their favorite players in the league. Like this is Ovi's second time taking the suspension, so like you want like these are like the All Star weekends. Maybe it's uh, fans chance, like finally chance to go to a hockey event, like the the skills competition. Like they're maybe they don't have the chance to go to games out by them, or they live in a city where they can't that doesn't have a hockey team, and this is their chance to go see all their favorite players. So it's uh. Yeah, it sucks. It really sucks just because these players will take their suspensions and, you know, maybe even fake injuries once All-Star break comes just so they don't play in the games and these fans don't get to see these star-studded talents and they don't get to showcase – like these stars don't get to showcase their skills. And, it's yeah, it just sucks. I think that's really going to wrap it for this episode, though. I mean, like it's kind of kind of been a weird week because it's, it's been a slow week, All-Star game – really just sort of puts a halt on the NHL schedule. I mean, I can't think of anything else to talk about. Is there anything else that you can think of, Nick, before we close out the episode? I got a couple things, but I want to, you know, tomorrow is the Super Bowl. So who do you got, Jordan? Who do you have? Who do you got? Who are you taking? 
Uh, so <laughs> I'm conflicted. I So for those of you who don't know, I am a huge Tennessee Titans fan. And it's weird, right? Because I'm not from Tennessee. I don't know anybody from Tennessee, but they're the team that I was rooting for. And I was absolutely crushed when they got beat by Kansas City because I thought this year was Tennessee's year. Derrick Henry was just plowing through people. Um, can't believe I'm going to say this, but I think Kansas City's who I want to win it. Like Patrick Mahomes just went beast mode versus the Titans. And Kansas City has been in a drought for so long. I wouldn't mind seeing them win another bowl i mean it's been what like 50 years or something like that since they've been to the super bowl like i think at this point just let that fan base enjoy it because it's been a long drought for them yeah i'm on the same boat as you like i it sucks just because it's what could have been for the chicago bears with patrick mahomes but god he he's just such an unreal talent and i love andy Reid too he's a great coach and i think he deserves a super super bowl before he decides to retire which his time's coming up soon so yeah i think i got the chiefs tomorrow i think it's gonna be a a really good game i don't think it's gonna be a blowout like we've been seeing uh you know 49ers have a great team so it's gonna be a close game and i'm I'm very excited i i don't think it's gonna be as boring as last year's super bowl was i mean last year's super bowl for me i just I couldn't stand watching it. It just felt like nothing was really going on. This year's Super Bowl, I think, is going to be a lot different. I mean, like you said, I mean, Mahomes is just, he's an amazing athlete, an amazing quarterback already with how young he is. And the 49ers also have a a fantastic team. So I think it's basically going to end up being like a passing versus can the 49ers actually shut down Kansas City's passing game? Would you say that's a pretty accurate representation of what you think will happen? Yeah, it's really – that's the only way that I – like you you can't stop Patrick Mahomes. You can only contain him. So they're going to have to limit some damage. Like the 49ers play a game where they control the ball. They like to run. They like to eat some clock. So at the 40 – like the, that's the only way the 49ers could win is if they don't let Mahomes explode and just get as many possessions as possible because the – Chiefs will eventually score in any way they can. So I think the 49ers' only way to win this game is to control the ball and take advantage of the opportunities when they have the ball and limit Patrick Mahomes, and that's a tough task. It's definitely a tough one, but I mean, I guess we'll see tomorrow how it goes. (laughs) Yeah, we shall. But uh, one more thing before we wrap it up, Jordan. I know we're a hockey podcast, and I know this is it's going on a week now, but uh, some tragic news in the sports world on Sunday, January 26th, where basketball legend Lakers icon, and he's even more than that, Kobe Bryant and his daughter and seven others passed away and uh, just a tragic helicopter accident. And, you know, it really put like, I, it, like I wasn't a basketball fan, but the few games I'd watch it, it involved Kobe, like the Kobe versus the Celtics in the finals and stuff like that. And it's just, it's sad. And it, like, it was a wake up call in life. Like there's one day this could all be taken away from us. Like it's life. We don't know what could happen. Like we will be up, we'll be alive one day. And then the next day we could be gone and nobody knows. 
And that's the, like Kobe and his daughter Gianna were just on her on her their way to a basketball game, her, one of her games, and you know just a normal trip. I'm sure they've done it hundreds of times, and it it was their last moment. Like the wife was his wife Vanessa was expecting to see her, her her husband and daughter after the game, and just like normal day, and then it, it's all taken away, and that it really it. I, whether you're a basketball fan or not, this is a wake up call. It's the biggest. It's probably the biggest sports death, and I could I could think of that I've been alive for. So it really just means like, guys, this is, we only get this life once. If there's any rift going on or any issues going on with a close someone you love, or whether it's a friend, family member, or someone like that in your life, just drop that shit. Like we don't know when this is all over nobody knows when our life is over it's just it's not, some days it just happens so just it's it brought things to a bigger perspective because someone like kobe who was perfectly healthy she passed away so and take we get this chance once in life so make your amends with everybody that you love or if it's something stupid just drop it because this is really it this is all we have i i was kind of confused at first um this news got broke to me at around like three or four o'clock in the afternoon, the day that it happened. And somebody told me like, Hey, did you hear about Kobe? And I'm like, what about him? And they're like, he's gone. And I'm like, Kobe Bryant. Like, are we talking about the same Kobe? And they're like, yeah, the basketball player. And I'm like, I swear. I literally just saw like an interview with him yesterday. Like, are you sure? Like we're talking about the right guy. Like, are you sure? That's not like one of those, like, you know, joke posts on Facebook or something. And then sure enough, there it was right on the news. I mean, usually close the podcast by saying, you know, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. But like really at the end of the day, I mean, like you said, Nick, this, like this life is short. Ultimately. I mean, when not to get like super religious or anything like that, but you know, there's, there's this verse in the Bible. kind of like, it says, you know, we're, we're nothing but a mist. Um, but really that is like our lives are mists in the, uh, like this, I guess, timeline of existence. I mean, we're here for, you know, maybe 80 to a hundred years. If we're lucky, like you're here for a couple, for really a couple years and then you're gone. So, I mean, if, there's somebody that like, you know, you love or you care about, let them know if you have problems with somebody sort them out. Cause you don't know if you're going to be here tomorrow. You don't know if you're going to be here next week. You don't even know if you're going to be here in a couple hours. I mean, life is too short to harbor real grudges with people. And I mean, you know, yes, I'm not saying you can't joke and have fun with people and have like, you know, rivalries, obviously this podcast, is centered around two teams that were rivals at one point. And I mean, shoot, even when we were at that game together, Nick, I mean, the fans chanting with passion, you know, Detroit sucks. And ultimately though, I mean, sports for us is fun, but I mean, real life also is, I think more important for just about everybody. If you have somebody in your life that you care about, let them know. Cause like you're saying, I mean, life can be gone in an instant. None of us knows when it's going to be taken so just enjoy it while you're here yeah i couldn't agree with you more i mean in the end our life is determined by two numbers and there it's the year we're born and the year that it ends and in between those two numbers is a dash so you gotta take advantage that everything that that dash includes make the most out of that dash make a difference in that dash just live a happy life with that dash and 
that's really it. Like those two numbers is what is not what defines us. It's that dash in the middle is where we make our memories and make our loved ones happy. And the thing is, like, you don't have to be somebody who has the fame of a guy like Kobe Bryant to make a difference in someone's life. You don't have to have millions of dollars. You don't have to have worldwide fame. You don't have to do these super amazing things to make a difference in this world or to mean something or do something for someone. I mean, whether it's something as simple as buying the homeless person that you pass on the way to work something to eat, whether... It's taking time out of your schedule to volunteer to help out with like a kids program in your community, whether it's offering, you know, tutoring services or something to your local school, like you don't have to be a star athlete to do meaningful things in this life and to make a difference. You can make a difference right where you're at. It doesn't take worldwide fame. It doesn't take millions of dollars. It doesn't take status to make a difference. So whatever difference you want to make in this world, make it. Uh, I, I know we got kind of uh, a little bit deep there for a second. Um, is there anything else that you want to talk about, Nick, before we close out this episode? No, I think we uh, that's a good way to end it. A little put in life into reality. So yeah, we can wrap this up. Okay. So as always, we'd like to thank you guys for tuning into this week's edition of the Stickblade Podcast. Uh, if you liked what you heard, feel free to give us a listen on either SoundCloud or iTunes. We're on both platforms. Uh, the SoundCloud is soundcloud.com slash stickbladepodcast. And on iTunes, you can find us and just type in, you know, the Stickblade Podcast on the iTunes store. We should pop up. Um, and then you can also find us on Twitter or email if you want to get an actual hold of us, ask us questions, fan mail, whatever you would like to do. Uh, rude comments every once in a while are kind of fun to read out on the air. So if you want to find us on Twitter, you can find us at StickbladePod. That's all one word, no hyphens or dashes or anything like that. And if you want to email the podcast, our email address is stickbladepodcast at gmail.com. Just really easy. Again, stickbladepodcast at gmail.com, all one word. Really simple to get in touch with us. And because we don't really get a ton of fan mail, chances are yours is going to get read on the air. So there's always that as well. In the words of Peter LaFleur, if you set the expectations low, you can never be disappointed. (laughs) If you don't know what that quote is, by the way, go watch the movie Dodgeball. It's fantastic. It's almost as good as Talladega Nights. But anyway, for my co-hosts, Nicola Page, and for myself, I'd like to thank you all again for tuning in to this edition of the Stickblade Podcast. Take care of each other and take care of yourselves. And most importantly, don't take this life for granted. Now, with that being said, let's go Hawks and let's go Wings. Go make a difference, guys.